Welcome everyone, I'm Dr. Clay Nelly from the University of Missouri. Today I have the privilege of being joined by Dr. Matt Matava. Dr. Matava is a professor of orthopedic surgery and chief of sports medicine at Washington University in St. Louis. He was a senior author on an editorial commentary entitled, Preoperative Patient Reported Outcomes Measurement Information System Scores Predict Which Patients Will Benefit from Arthroscopic Meniscectomy, To Scope or Not to Scope which is a commentary in relation to an article published in the Arthroscopy Journal entitled Preoperative Patient-Centric Predictors of Postoperative Outcomes in Patients Undergoing Arthroscopic Meniscectomy, both of which were published in the March 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Matava, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. Let's start by just giving a basic synopsis of the study that it's in reference to and their, their brief conclusions, and then maybe a, a brief synopsis of Ural's editorial commentary and thoughts on the paper itself. Yeah, so these authors, as you mentioned earlier, looked at uh, partial medial meniscectomy, arthroscopic meniscectomy, and to see whether or not uh, there were patient-centric predictors of, of postoperative outcome. And they used the technology called uh, PROMIS, which stands for Patient-Reported Outcome Measurement Information System, uh, computer adaptive testing. And what that is basically is it's a very ingenious questionnaire that is carried on a, you know, a keyboard or a little uh, pad. And the, pa the question that the patient has asked is based on the prior response that they just gave. And so computer adaptive testing, the goal of that is to try to ask the fewest amount of questions you can ask to get the most relevant amount of data. And so instead of bogging patients down with, you know, 50 or 100 questions every time, you can use, you know, the computer technology in order to siphon out which questions are most relevant to that particular person's uh, um, uh, information they want to look at. And PROMISE uses, there's, there's about 70 different domains that they can look of, like, such as depression, pain interference, and physical function. Those are the ones that they, these authors looked at. And they basically wanted to see whether or not the patient's preoperative PROMISE scores could predict how they were going to do postoperatively after three months. They looked at 166 patients, and they followed them over that three-month period of time, and found that based on their PROMISE scores obtained preoperatively, they shown that those were valid predictors of postoperative clinical improvement in patients who underwent meniscectomy. And as most of your listeners know, you know, arthroscopic meniscectomy is the most common operation done in the country. It's certainly the most common operation done in the knee. And they found that physical function scores of a certain amount, as well as pain interference scores, um, were able to predict whether or not patients were going to be doing well after the surgery. And interestingly enough, you know, patients who smoked and patients who were obese, they tended to do less well um, postoperatively than those who didn't smoke or were not obese. And those, for those surgeons who do a lot of knee arthroscopy, those findings are probably not very surprising. And so the Arthroscopy Journal asked us to comment on this, and, uh, and it was, I think, a very important paper for clinicians. We always want to know how can we most help the patients we operate on, and certainly how can we help most help patients we want to treat in general, whether or not it's through surgery or no surgery. The biggest dilemma we have oftentimes, as you probably know, in patients who have a meniscal tear, they come with a certain set of symptoms. They may have practitioner, they may have had an MRI done that shows a meniscus tear, but they also have associated arthritis. They may have some other comorbidities where surgery may not be the best option for them. And so this is a very important topic that we deal with every day. Um, and so this a paper of this nature is able to tell surgeons whether or not based on the patient's preoperative evaluation, they can be expected to do well postoperatively. And so it is helpful as an e-surgeon from my standpoint, from that, that perspective. Absolutely. That's a great summary, I think. You know, when it comes to arthroscopic meniscectomy in particular, it, that kind of came under fire. Most of us all remember the 
2013, I think it was New, New England Journal of Medicine article that showed no difference versus sham surgery. And kind of ever since that time, an arthroscopic meniscectomy, particularly in older patients, patients older than 50 or especially older than 60 or, or more, has kind of come a little bit under fire. But certainly there's some situations and many patients that still benefit from it. Um, and as we kind of move to a value-based care and, and more evidence-based medicine and things like that, I think things, clinical tools like these, like like promise scores and, and other type of patient-reported outcome scores, certainly that are that are validated, definitely help to to help us predict both who and sh- and maybe even some some de- degrees should get a arthroscopic meniscectomy or some other related type of procedures. Yeah, yeah. You know, the thing that's important to keep in mind is, you know, the question becomes, and this is sort of a, a 30,000 foot question, the topic of the minimal clinically important difference or the MCID. And so, you know, there's lots of different stakeholders that have an interest in how a patient does. If it's, a, you know, an injury that happened at work, certainly the employer is interested. From a pain perspective as a patient, I'm going to be interested. As a surgeon, I'm interested in how a patient's going to do. And so, you know, the question is, what's the, what's the minimal amount of clinical improvement that patient has to have to make that treatment warranted? In a study like this, where you actually break that down into statistical um, methodology, it's very helpful in, in doing that. And so, again, that's why it's important not only um, from an insurance uh, perspective, a work comp perspective, from the surgeon's pr- perspective, or from the patient's perspective, you know, how that person does well dictates whether or not they have a chance of doing well uh, based on surgery or whether that you don't do surgery. And we actually had a, we did a similar paper at Washington University. We had the same type of patients we followed with their promise scores. We, just like these authors did, we used the, uh, the physical function and pain interference and depression scores. And those three promise scores um, seem to be very relevant for a person with knee pain and loss of function from a meniscus tear. Um, we followed 75 uh, patients over a six-week period, and even that short period of time, we were still able to find significant relevance to their promise scores uh, uh, preoperatively. And as you might imagine, patients who had associated articular cartilage lesions, certainly higher grade lesions, tended to do less well than those patients who had isolated meniscal tears. So again, you know, patients with this coexistent problem of a meniscus tear with osteoarthritis, they tend to do less well. Hence, we're certainly sort of shy away from them based on that paper you mentioned um, uh, and many others that have shown that if you do have patients with concurrent pathology, very, very careful who you operate on. I'll have a lot of patients that will come in, they'll have a positive MRI, they show they have a meniscus tear, but they'll have pain around their kneecap or they'll have pain on the contralateral part of their knee and because they were told that they have a meniscus tear, they assume they have to have surgery. And, you know, as you, I'm sure you tell your patients, you know, you have to have a physical examination, a history, and imaging studies that all correlate and all point to the same thing before you can expect it to have a good outcome following surgery. And, again, this is one more tool from this paper that helps us to do that. Yeah, that's terrific. I think you make great points about having an overall gestalt. I remember the paper you guys published. I think you mentioned the high-grade articular cartilage loss, and I think uh, there was statistical significance for females as well as uh, overall having less uh, improvement with the arthroscopic uh, meniscectomy. So when you when you counsel patients, um, you know a lot a lot of times patients will come in with an X-ray or an MRI, like you like you say, and and do you counsel patients largely based off those things and the physical exam findings, as you mentioned, or are you incorporating things like promise scores, preoperative promise scores into the discussion now? And how, how do you address those things or how do you incorporate, incorporate those things from a clinical standpoint? Well, I guess the answer is yes to all that with some qualification. 
question. Um, our department chairman, Regis O'Keefe, um, came from Rochester, is a big proponent. He was one of the early uh, proponents of Promise, and so we've used it throughout our entire department at Washington University in various clinical as well as research um, uh, applications. Every patient who comes to our clinic fills out a Promise questionnaire, um, and we've used it for some clinical conditions uh, as opposed to others. We are currently collecting data. We, the study I just quoted for meniscectomy, um, it was very helpful. Now you can you can break that thing down to every every clinical problem you want to study. You know ACL is is a is an area that's ripe for for further research in that area. Um, so we use that. We use our clinical history. Um, you know it's oftentimes you'll have a patient who's been seeing their family doctor for many many years. They see you because they've you know they twisted their knee or they have knee pain. Their family physician got the, gets the MRI that shows them they have a tear yet you tell them they don't need surgery or you tell them you suggest non-operative treatment. Oftentimes, <laughs> you have to talk the patients out of surgery as opposed to talking them into surgery just because you know based on your experience, based on research like this, that these patients are going to do less well. Um, and I think the promised technology is going to be much more applicable as we go further and learn about its use. For example, you know, there's, there's a, a great untapped area in sports medicine, orthopedic surgeon general, in just looking at sex-based differences. And you can use promise in that regard, and I think that's going to be a, an important area. You know, for example, ACL outcome. Obviously, you know, AC girls have, you know, six times higher risk of, of ACL tears than, than, than uh, males do. That's an area where promise based on sex-specific differences can be helpful. And you can apply that to any number of orthopedic conditions that we really haven't expanded on in terms of the differences between males and females. But that's just one example. But again, like you mentioned, you have to take, you know, what you learn from a research capacity, what you're going to do from a clinical perspective based on their history, their exam, and their, and their uh, imaging findings, and hopefully put that all into one, one big picture to get them the best, you know, chance of success based on whatever, whatever treatment option you choose. Yeah, I think those are absolutely terrific points. I think, as you as you stated and alluded to, it it just gives us more um, information and more more ability to counsel the patient and and maybe even help the patient understand. I think we all have those patients who have a degenerative meniscus tear and advanced osteoarthritis, but they've gotten an MRI and they've been sent in and told they have a tear and they need surgery. And sometimes that's a long conversation to, like you said, talk that patient out of surgery, actually. And I think having maybe sometimes some some things that are numerical statistics or to say, hey, you filled out, you know, this pro this preoperative promise, um, you know, adaptive technology. And, and based on these numbers, you know, this is predictive to show that you may not have a very, very significant improvement um, with surgery. I think, you know, their findings in the study, uh, they showed that patients with physical function scores of about 34.9 or about 35 or less have an increased probability of reaching MCID. And then patients with pain interference scores of 67.5 or above have an increased probability of reaching MCID. So if you have a patient comes in and their scores, you know, um, are higher than that on the physical function and lower than that on the pain interference, you know, you can say to them, you know, we have we have this research or we have this data that shows that your likelihood of this is is going to be relatively low. And sometimes that's more helpful than just saying, oh, you know, you have arthritis or, oh, this is a de degenerative meniscus tear because it's a little bit hard for them to understand those concepts. Exactly right. And I know patients, you have to also be very careful when you talk about patients' weight and you talk about their age. 
And both those factors, at least from this particular surgical procedure, a menisectomy, you have to be very careful um, in, the, in, in using those two parameters and decide when not to operate on somebody. Patients don't want to be told they're too old for something, and they are very sensitive to their weight issue. But unfortunately, those two parameters do define whether or not a patient may do well from a particular operation, such as a menisectomy. So again, there's the science of medicine, and then there's the art of medicine, too. And I think we have to incorporate both of those when we're dealing with patients who have this most, really probably the most common thing I see that comes in the office is this particular problem right here. That we're talking about without a doubt uh one more question that i had so in your guys study yeah. that you did similar study i think you looked at it um, primarily at the six-week time point in terms of their post-operative uh, scores and promise scores and then this particular study that you did the commentary on it looked at it at the three-month time point so certainly obviously everybody knows when it comes to arthroscopic menisectomy and particularly in patients that have maybe more advanced uh chondral changes or, or even more advanced um uh, Kelgren Lawrence changes, those patients probably um, worsen and their scores worsen over time if you take that out to one and two years time. Do you think that this is you know, still valuable to look at those early time points and make a, a clinical assessment on whether to proceed with surgical intervention based more so on those, uh, those, in, those early time points or should we look at this more longitudinal data going further out for this particular procedure? You know, I think for the patient who has, who's a, you know, otherwise healthy person, no prior knee pathology, who has an acute isolated meniscus tear, I think the six-week time point is going to get probably, you know, tell you what you need to know. In other words, that patient should do well. Um, obviously, there's a risk of arthritis down the line based on genetic factors, activity level, and that sort of thing that may occur, you know, as has been shown in multiple studies, you can get found a meniscectomy. But for the patient who has other comorbidities, significant chondral wear, um, we, we mentioned weight and that sort of thing, I think the longer time points, um, longer than certainly the, than, than the, other, the study I quoted by Frenovic did, um, is going to be most helpful to see how they do. And that's, as you know, whenever you submit a paper to a journal, you know, they want two-year follow-up. Well, there's a reason for that because we can certainly look good at six weeks, but as people say, nothing ruins, nothing ruins an outcome than, than follow-up. And so, you know, that's what happens a lot of times. We'll see patients who have these other problems that they, they tend to do reasonably well in the short term, but then six, year, six months down the line, a year down the line, they're upset because they were back to where they started. And it wasn't the meniscus tear that was causing their, their pain. It was the osteoarthritis. And so that's something we also we, we're very careful to tell these patients about. that Because I'll see a lot of patients who come in who've had this very scenario. They'll have had surgery elsewhere, and they're very upset at the surgeon because it's three or six months down the line, and they're no better than they were. But they went through therapy. They had the expense of the surgery. And and they think the surgeon either missed something or didn't do a good job, when in reality, it wasn't the meniscus tear causing the pain in the first place. It was most likely the osteoarthritis. And so there's a lot of debriefing you have to do in these patients to kind of walk them off the ledge of being, A, upset at the surgeon, and B, being discouraged in their, in their clinical care. And we have to, I think, redirect them to say, listen, we're not treating a meniscus tear anymore. We're treating, we're treating osteoarthritis. And when you get the focus back on that, I think it helps everybody involved with their care. But it, again, it is a widespread problem. But to answer your question, I think the early time points we can look at for the patient who has an isolated acute tear, but those with more other comorbidities, we need to look at these longer time points before we can say with any degree of certainty that there's some clinical benefit to doing the operation. Those are excellent points. Dr. Matava's editorial commentary, preoperative patient reported outcomes, measurement information system scores predict which patients will benefit from arthroscopic meniscectomy to scope or not to scope. 
based on the article entitled Preoperative Patient-Centric Predictors of Postoperative Outcomes in Patients Undergoing Arthroscopic Meniscectomy was published in the March 2021 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal and can also be found at arthroscopyjournal.org. Dr. Matava, thank you very much again for joining me today. It was my pleasure. Thanks for the invitation. That concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. As always, if you enjoy the podcast, please remember to give us a five-star review on your podcast device. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association of North America or the Arthroscopy Journal. Mm-hmm.